so I am the host of California Classical All Night on Sundays and now Thursdays, too. Um, and so I host from Saturday at midnight through Sunday, 6 a.m. And mm-hmm. it's broadcast on both KUSC here in L.A. and then KDFC up in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So you can hear me on both stations. And um, it's really just like a big overnight potpourri of anything and everything. Genius, it takes a lot to get on my show. Genius, you're probably someone we'd like to know. You're really good at stuff, you probably like to dance. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius, get onto my show. Howdy folks, welcome to Living with a Genius. I'm your host, Omar Crook. I've got Jennifer Miller on the show today. Jennifer and I met in 2009. She was my Marguerite. I was singing Faust at the Celestial Opera Company, little company here in Los Angeles. Used to perform at a the Pasadena Women's uh, Club or something like that. I think we talked about it in the in the interview. Um, you know, I used to do a lot of these little free shows, no pay, but uh, I learned probably seven or eight roles doing them. And if any of you young singers are out there looking for work or looking for experience, uh, that's a great way to go. I mean, I uh, in the uh, interview, I mentioned that I sang an Alma Viva at Opera San Jose because I, w- I had prepared it just a few months uh, prior to them calling uh, at one of these little companies that performed in a church. So, you know, it's not glamorous, but when you're young and you're out of college and, and you need to to do something, find something. There, there are three or four really great little companies here in, in Los Angeles. Um, Faust in 2009 was directed by Sarah Widzer, who's now uh, directing everywhere. Also, we did, uh, let's see, Josh Shaw came out of uh, Celestial. He, he started uh, directing there. Now he's got his own company. So it's a great experience. Jennifer uh, is a wonderful singer. She went to Westminster Choir College. We talk about uh, her experience there and the difficulties that Westminster is facing right now. Uh, what else? The interview is a little strange. I'll, I'll, I'm going to have a. I'm issuing a public service annou- announcement right now. If you guys ever experience a fluttering in your chest or uh, like a, it feels like there's a butterfly inside your heart, or you take a deep breath and, and it rattles a little bit, you might have what I have. Which, uh, which is a very common uh, heart problem. It's a congenital defect. Mine is called AVNRT, which is atrioventricular uh, re, uh, nodal reentry tachycardia, which means I have an extra node in my heart that receives uh, an electrical impulse. And sometimes when uh, I cough or sneeze or hiccup or sometimes out of the blue, my heart will start uh, going into tachycardia, which means that it just beats irregularly and my uh, heart rate goes up to like 140, something like that, up to 200 sometimes. I've had to be, uh, I've had to go to the hospital a couple times, but now it's under control. Anyway, last night uh, we wrapped the uh, first half of our season before Christmas. We had a, a matinee of Nabucco with Placido, and then uh, the, the Domingos um, throw a company party for us every year, and that was last night. I sat down with my plate of food, and my heart started to race for no reason. But I couldn't get it to stop, and I know it, I take medi- medis- uh, medicine for it, medication, and uh, it wouldn't stop. So after about twenty minutes, uh, my buddy Marty, Marty Schaefer, walked me downstairs because I didn't want to go down by myself. And I took uh, some more medicine, 
and that stopped it. But uh, I had taken, you know, more than I normally do, so it made me a little bit loopy. And so I say things like former alumni, and I say things like, uh, oh, yeah, you're here on a Sunday night, even though she, like, 30 seconds earlier told me that she doesn't work uh, Sunday nights. It's actually Saturday night. So I, I'm a little spacey. But the whole point of the story is that if you have uh, that feeling in your chest sometimes, you should go get it checked out. It's no big deal. They make uh, medication for it. Anyway, that's my PSA for today. This is a short little interview. It's really for me. I wanted to catch up with Jennifer, and she's got a really interesting story. I told you she went to Westminster Choir College. Now she uh, has her own show at KUSC. So it's a really interesting transition. This is a great episode for music students in particular. Um, and it's the other side of the coin that I was always taught. I was always taught to put all my eggs in one basket. I don't know if that's uh, the right way or the wrong way, because I, I still I, I make a living in music. So it, it happened to work out. Uh, but Jennifer is a great lesson in developing other skills and going after things uh, that are outside of your training, and she's become very successful in the field of radio. Not a lot of people have their own show on KUSC. And uh, so you might find some interest in that and think about it. Choose your own path. Choose the path that works for you. Jennifer's supporting herself, and I'm supporting myself. So two sides of the coin, and she still sings, to be fair. Uh, so it's like two sides of the same coin if both sides were closer together than the opposite sides i guess that would be a die i don't know who knows maybe the medication's still affecting me happy monday everybody hope you're having a great uh, start to your week it's going to be a warm week i want to wish everybody a, a happy thanksgiving it's my favorite holiday you know no presents no pressure except for cooking and uh, we, we're going to have a couple parties we go over to my mom's, uh, my uh, mother-in-law's house in San Marino. That's our tradition. We've been doing that for 13 years. And uh, then we have a little Friendsgiving here. So uh, anyway, I guess that's it. Have a great rest of your week. Here's Jennifer. Jennifer Miller. I'm trying not to be too sibilant. No, <laughs> no. Uh, it's great to see you. I know. It's been what? Oh, my God. 10 years probably because the show when we did was it uh it was faust, faust which was probably what nine oh my years god ago? that was at that uh the women's center of south pasadena on fremont that's the one mm -hmm. very glamorous oh it was it's like a big room i don't know <laughs> it's kind of a, it was like a glorified saloon slash church social hall yeah, sort of exactly. setup well mm -hmm. you know i um i i'm gonna bump these up a little bit i kind of uh poo poo that stuff but because of let's see one season i think i did seven new shows or something crazy i was like the tenor for a company and did everything yeah. and um you know opera san jose called to do uh uh I, they needed an alma viva and i had just done it at one of these stupid little church performances mm -hmm. so you know it prepares you um, so that was eight or nine, ten years ago that we met, <laughs> and you were singing Marguerite. I was. A one I was, of three Marguerites, actually, in that yes, production, I think. And I was one of two Fausts, I think. Mm -hmm. They put a beard on me with a shoestring tied over my head. Anyway, um, 
<laughs> but the dancers there. were fabulous. <laughs> they and, were. and Phil was great as Faust. And Phil was... is the best. Mm-hmm. Phil's such a great colleague. I love and Phil. And such a decent hu- human being. We're talking about Phil Meyer. Yeah. And uh, a real stalwart around town. Sings yeah. a lot. And uh, just a... He's a great really... as a Klingon, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I went and saw that. Uh, not that one, but I went and saw the uh, Lucia that yeah. pop just did. Mm-hmm. I had Josh Shaw on the show. Uh, I don't know. And I was ago. in the chorus for that, actually. That's right. Yeah. It was my first thing, like, kind of getting back on stage in a while. I hadn't done anything in a while. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Okay. So I met you as a singer. Yeah. I mean, I was a singer and you were a singer. And um, then the next thing I heard was that you were at KPCC. Right. Are you still at KPCC? I am. You do? Yeah, but I'm mostly behind the scenes over there. I occasionally get to talk on the air over there, but I'm mostly behind the scenes doing a giant puzzle every day. Okay. I'm getting way <laughs> ahead of myself. You uh, you went to Westminster Choir College. Right. Where did you grow up? Um, I was born in Norfolk, Virginia, which if it's, it's Norfolk for those of you that are not locals. But if you're a local, you say Norfolk. Like N A W F U C K. Okay. Um, but yes, uh, and but my dad was in the Navy, so we moved around a lot. So I, I lived see. in Newport. I lived in D.C. I lived in Charleston. We went all over the place. I see. Okay. Yeah. And w- no musicians in the family. Was your mom a musician? Uh, my mom was a really, really great high school clarinet player. Okay, so she was a musician. So she did that, and then my dad is a really, really fantastic baritone. And but he went into the navy. He never did anything with not it. for music. Mm-mm. Didn't join the navy band. No, he um, and dad. I apologize if you hear this. Uh, he wanted to do the navy glee club, mm-hmm. but you had to be able to read music uh-huh. in order to be. And he didn't read music, sure. so they immediately said, "No, you know, yeah, you're great." But they said, eh, "If you were a tenor, maybe." Yeah. But, but he has not this a baritone. Giant voice. Well, I remember when we were kids, we had a player piano, one of the old ones that you would pump with the piano rolls. Sure. And we would put on Danny Boy, and we could see who could outsing each other basically it was like who could be the loudest and shake the walls in the house um but he was probably like my first vocal role model really but yeah he's he's got a beautiful voice he was a tenor back then he's more of a baritone now but yeah still has a beautiful voice i've always been more of a baritone but somehow i sing tenor <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> i know that story um did you study anything other than music i mean did you always know you were going to be in music the question is let me ref. Judge, I'd like to rephrase. Um, <laughs> when did you know that you wanted to be in music? Uh, probably from early on. Because Westminster's a... Yeah. it was. <laughs> that was one of those eye-opening moments for me. But I, I started like sort of futzing around on the piano when I was about three years old. I and see. I started studying piano before anything else. Mm-hmm. I started uh, studying piano when I was five, picked up the clarinet because we had one since my mom played. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't really start doing voice until I was probably my senior year in high school. That makes junior, sense. Senior year. I mean, yeah. you're not ready to start singing yeah. seriously. Yeah. Unless you're Charlotte Church, decided to ruin your voice early. Oh, yeah. We could talk about Charlotte Church because uh, I did a tour with her. You oh, did? Oh, yes, I did. Oh. <laughs> was she nice? No. Oh, no. Because <laughs> I've been on tours like with Bocelli. Bocelli's super nice. Oh, yeah. And uh, Julie Andrews and Christopher Plummer, nice, nice as they could be. Uh but there was a moment where she was trying to sing the co- uh, Charlotte Church was trying to sing the Coventry Carol and she was not following the stick. And her mother tried to suggest, you know, Charlotte, maybe you should watch the downbeat. And she stamped her foot and said, Mommy, go home. And Mommy went home. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Just like, oh, it kind of reminds me of that uh, um, Twilight Zone movie that that you know with the kid and with the tv and he sends all the people to the cornfield oh yeah um (laughs) 
wow. Wow, that's a shame. You know what that is? That's just insecurity. Yeah. I've talked to lots of administrators and people who hire singers. And mm-hmm. one of the questions that I like to ask is, what do you do with a diva? Like, what do you, mm. does that happen? Is that mm-hmm. still a thing? And they say, well, I'm trying to, you know, they, most of them say, directors or administrators say, I try and be very accommodating and very understanding because I mm-hmm. always know that that comes from a place of terror and fear mm-hmm. and insecurity and it just manifests itself mm-hmm. that way as a protection. It takes a special kind of person to put up with that kind of thing. Oh, we had really great uh, producers on that tour that were great to her. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> and exactly. the audience loved her. They did every single night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so you went to, you ended up going to Westminster. Yeah. And you had you had a shock when you got there. I did because I did my undergraduate work at St. Mary's of Maryland, which okay. is a little liberal arts school in Southern Maryland. Mm-hmm. We had five music majors in my graduating class there, and I was the only voice major out of all what? five of them. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so it was definitely like when I was there, I was like the soprano soloist for everything we did. That's great. Which was awesome because I got to sing the Stravinsky Mass. So I sure. got to do all these you know great works. And then... Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but, you know, being being the big fish in that little pond, I then started auditioning for grad school and I went out for like UNC Greensboro. I auditioned for the program at College Park in Maryland, which is, you know, they've got a great opera program there, um, thinking I was going to go be a big opera star. Yeah. And they were like, you know, you're OK, but you need some more, you know, cultivating. And you see them reaching for the 25 Italian songs. Yeah, they're like, oh, they're like, oh no, no. Oh, gosh, yeah. My, my first jury ever, I actually sang Caro Mio Ben. And, Everybody does. Yeah, I know. Or <laughs> just Sole Dal Ganje, one or the other. I know. And my professor was like, I've already heard this 10 times today. If it's terrible, I'm going to stop you. Yeah. So, but I, And I got through it, so that, that was good. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I go in there. I thought I would sing some really great auditions, and it, it just wasn't my time is what I felt like at that point. So I took a year off from studying and I, I went home and I worked for a year, mm-hmm. did a little bit of singing around town in Virginia Beach, mm-hmm. but, you know, not too much. And then I had a colleague who went to Westminster when uh, John Finley Williamson was still there. Mm-hmm. And she said, I think you would do really great there because they don't just focus on one particular kind of singing. You can do several kinds of things. Sure. And... Uh, and so she was like, you know, give it a shot. And by that point, it was like March. And I wanted to start in the fall. So I was like, okay, if I got to do this, I have to get on it right now. Right, right. So I put together a, a good audition package, some really interesting stuff. I had some Bach, had some Mozart, had some Puccini on it. Took it up there, auditioned. They called me an hour later and they said, congratulations, you're in the performance program. Whoa. So I think for me, I really just needed to kind of step away from it and yeah. kind of come back to it on my own terms. Yeah. So, and... That was great. What's happening with Westminster now? Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. <laughs> it's so it's causing a lot of heartbreak for a lot of people. It is, and it's been it's been hard for me too because I loved my time there. Yeah. And uh, so the Ryder University, who's the parent school currently of Westminster, has a, a newish president who was not there when I was there. Our, our president at the time was great. He was a great supporter of Westminster and. The current president has not been, and from what I've understood, he's squandered a lot of the financial resources of the university and really hasn't put the money into, I'm going to say the admissions process probably, but just the recruitment um, huh. at his, at the parent school. So Ryder is losing money from what I understand. Westminster, however, is not. Westminster has been making money well, every year. Well, they're at year. the top of the sister schools out there. I mean, uh, what is it? St. Olaf, St. Augustine? Uh 
Saint Olaf definitely. Yeah, definitely. That's but a like, big one. Yeah. Still, yeah. But, but Westminster is huge. Yeah, I mean, they're everybody knows them. Yeah. And so, so the president got the idea in his head. Well, let's make up the financial difficulties by selling Westminster, and then that way Ryder will be okay, even though Westminster is is the successful arm of Whoa. the two schools. So this person's just not a music fan. No. Wow. And so I know that there's been a lot of back and forth uh, legally. I think I know that there's been something said that they can't actually sell the school because it would violate the terms of the original merger charter. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's it, been a lot of uh, like alumni involvement and yeah. post alumni and just all sorts of people getting involved. I mean, do, do you have some? Are you doing anything yourself? I've been trying to talk to people that I know you know, here locally, considering that I, I work for a news station and right. then also for a classical music station, right. um, to try and get some word out there here on how we can find a way to help Westminster. Um, I, my concern is that they are looking at a for-profit educational group that is from overseas, which I, I don't have an issue with the overseas part because if they want to come in and continue the tradition and mm-hmm. really do a lot of international recruitment, that's great. I'm all for like, let's broaden our horizons and get a lot of like different kinds of music and different kind of musicians mm-hmm. into the school. But my concern is this company runs basically like prep high schools for big universities overseas. And I think that they see an opportunity with the geographical location of Westminster, which is in Princeton. They're about a mile from mm-hmm. Princeton University. That they're going to come in, they're going to try and run Westminster as it is for a couple of years, like give it a good shot, and then say, well, no, this didn't work. Let's turn this into a prep school for Princeton University. Um, That's been a theory that's been floating around. And also, if this group does take over, the university will lose its accreditation. Westminster will have to go through the whole accreditation process again. Wow. And so uh, Laura Brooks-Rice, who was a professor of mine there, she has said on Facebook, you know, repeatedly... If this happens, they're going to expect us to go through a two-year accreditation process in six months, basically. And so I worry for the future of my school. Yeah, Yeah, totally. I mean, it's it's, it's a no-win situation. And I know that all of us would really love to see Westminster kind of fly on its own again, but I don't know if they can. Mm -hmm. I just don't know if the if the infrastructure is there to support that kind of overhead to be able to do Mm -hmm. it. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, we're all worried. Now, is Westminster at all known for opera or is it really a choral school? It's really a choral school. I I feel like it's really a choral and sacred music school. Although we've had some really great voices come out of there recently with like uh, Kira Duffy, um, Dizela, Laura Stotira. They both sang at the Met. Mm -hmm. Um, They're both students of Laura's. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I mean, we've definitely had some great solo main stage singers out there but i think we've like westminster really produces really great choral singers really great choral conductors mm-hmm. the the people that are the foundation and the future of mm-hmm. what you and i do for mm-hmm. a living mm-hmm. and it would be such a shame to see that go away like sure. i would <laughs> it would break my heart <laughs> sure i mean it's it's one of the preeminent music schools in the country mm-hmm. and singing schools in particular yeah. vocal schools and choral schools of course yeah. um why did i meet you singing an opera <laughs> I love being on stage. That's it. Yeah, I really love being on stage. I love being in front of people. Yeah. I mean the same thing. I mean thing. you certainly could do it. It yeah. wasn't a matter of of being uh able to do it. I mean Yeah, you I You were a great Marguerite. I I didn't do much actual opera singing when I was at Westminster. I did yeah. a lot of I did a lot of art song. My my teacher, I studied with Margaret Cusack when I was there. And she had a she had a pretty successful career too as a as a main stage singer, um, but she really focused on art song in her studio. So mm-hmm. in fact, my entire graduate recital I sang Schubert, Schumann, Strauss, and uh, Wolf 
on that. So <laughs> you know, I didn't appreciate it when I was in college, but you don't ever sing that stuff again once you leave. I know that's the thing. Except I maybe for it. your master chorale audition tape or something. That's but, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Have you done that? Um, yeah, I sang uh, Fredborgen Height on one of my tapes. Actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, yeah. Okay, so you studied choral music. You dabbled in opera. What? What event or what decision? How did you come about the decision to go to work uh, at a at a news station at KPCC? Uh, I was out of work. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had a full time job working for a foundation in Glendale that uh-huh. didn't work out, and I signed up with a temp agency. Mm-hmm. And this was actually when we were prepping Faust. Was when this all started. Really? Yeah. And I had a phone call one morning. We had had a really late rehearsal the night before, and I was very tired. I was looking forward to sleeping in. I was mm-hmm. like, oh man. I have this morning off. I can just do this whatever I want. This is while we were doing Faust. This is while we were doing oh, Faust. I didn't know that. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'm going to sleep in. I'm going to get up, have a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. work on my score, just you know, be really ready to go for our next rehearsal. And I get a phone call from my temp agency. Hey, KPCC is looking for a receptionist for the day. Are you available? <laughs> And I said, what's KPCC? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's the NPR station. I said, oh, I listen to them. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I can be there in an hour. So I went down there, had a great first day. They ended up asking me to come back for another three months because the receptionist was on maternity leave. Mm-hmm. And then um, through just a series of events, I ended up getting an internship there working in the traffic department, which in radio um, traffic is uh, scheduling. It's scheduling the daily broadcast log. So that's what I was doing. I was doing a giant puzzle every day. And that's what I still do. I, I plug in all the promos and the underwriting. and See, I, don't, I have no idea how radio is put together. Yeah. And, that's, and pretty much my boss and I are like the backbone of that. Like, so, and, and we tell everybody, you know, if you don't know what it is, just picture it like a giant visual puzzle and all the audio elements are your pieces and you're just kind of like slotting them in in the right place. Like, <laughs> I mean, do you... You must have that kind of mind. I don't think I could do it. It's it's that other part of my brain when because um, I also play a lot of video games too. Mm-hmm. So it's it's that more like logical side yeah. of my brain. What kind I, of video games do you play? Uh, adventure games. I love like um, I started out really doing like things like Myst uh-huh. and Riven, like those really like pretty yeah, yeah, graphical yeah. Sure. adventure games. But I'm really into like things like Mass Effect and Fallout. Um, I just started playing uh, the new version of Half-Life. Uh-huh. This, uh, they just uh, dropped. And uh, I, I play some shooters, too, like some more heavier shooters. But it's like, a good way for me to, like, get out of my brain. Same with know? me. Yeah. <laughs> I play Titanfall. That's my game. Oh, hey. Okay. That's it. I know, like, my boyfriend and I want to play Battlefront, too. Yeah, like, I kind of. It's yeah. just a little escape. <laughs> yeah. I read, an, I read an article recently about why people play video games. It's because they don't want to... Uh, deal with the problems that they need to face sooner or later. Yeah. It's like escapism. Oh, you mean like my student loan bill? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that. <laughs> How do you like KPCC? Is that I, a great place to work? I really loved it there. I've been there for eight years. Yeah. Um, and I, I've been full-time there for about seven and a half of that. Uh, and it's it's just been a really great experience for me because before going into it, like, like a lot of people, I didn't really know anything about the behind the scenes of radio. Right. I mean, did have, does having a music background help you at all? In uh, that way? Not really at no. KPCC because okay. they're they're a purely news station. Right. I mean, if they have something on Prairie Home and people are like, "Oh, sure. who's that singer?" You know, sure. and I'd be like, "Oh yeah, you know, that's uh, that's what's his face? That's Dan Auerbach from uh, the Black Keys." You right. Know? <laughs> it's totally unrelated. Yeah. No, no crossover. No. Not Do you really. feel it? That I mean, I felt like uh, I was unprepared to do anything other than music when I came out of 
school. Yeah. And I feel like that's a, a problem in education, mm-hmm. uh, especially for musicians, especially in this country, where nine out of 10 people who study music aren't going to make a living in music. I right. mean, it's very, very difficult. I spent a long time only in music, not making a living. <laughs> you know, the amount yeah. of, since mm-hmm. I've seen you last, you are now making a living. And I am now making a living. Right. I just happen to be in music. I don't know why. Maybe because I just was more stubborn than you are or something. Or <laughs> I don't know what it, what it what it is. But you, it's not a lack of talent that's different or musical knowledge. I feel like we need to prepare students. I don't know. It's a two-sided coin. Like my, my grandmother used to say, put all your eggs in one basket. Like, right. Like that's what mm-hmm. you should do. Right. And so that's kind of what I did. But the truth is, is that most people don't end up being opera stars. I'm not an opera star. And I studied to be an opera star. That's what they trained me to be, Mm -hmm. is to be a Faust. They didn't train me to be a chorister in Faust. And I've done that a lot more than I've done Faust. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and yeah, I mean, that's part of why when I was looking at undergrad programs, I knew I wanted to have music in my life somewhere when I went into college, but I chose a BA program. Um, and so that way I could have some flexibility. I had thought about doing a Bachelor of Music at a bigger university like James Madison or mm-hmm. College Park. Um, but then I was like, no, I really like I have some interest in journalism. I have some interest in English. I have some interest in computer science. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I can go there and kind of figure out if I can still have music in my life, but then to put something else in there too, to kind of make it work Mm -hmm. again. I always kind of say this like on my own terms, like to try and find a way that I can be a little more flexible. And I almost was a double major in English actually, when I went to St. Mary's, Yeah, me too. but they were like, Hey, you'd have to be here a fifth year. And I was like, "Mm, okay, no. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But I was, I I was a music major declared from day one Mm -hmm. that I went in there. Um, But I took a lot of literature and um, tried to like, gain as many skills as I could Mm -hmm. while I was there in case because I always had that that little voice in the back of my head you know what if you don't want to do this for the rest of your life after Mm -hmm. you graduate or what if you can't cut it or as my my dad used to say what if you don't have that fire in your belly and you realize that once you get out of this program that's what happened to me yeah and I mean, as much as I love being on stage and as much as I love um, you know, learning this music and doing this music in front of people, um, I don't like to audition for things. I don't either. Yeah. And I also know I can do other things. It's yeah. not the only thing I can do. Right. There are literally people out there that I've interviewed that just can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. And I never felt that way. I always felt like, well, I mean, I'm good at it. That's why I do it. Right. Because I'm good at it. Mm-hmm. Not because I live and eat and breathe it. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, did when you started at KPC at KPCC, did you have any um, ambition to be on the radio? Like, did did in other words, as a receptionist, is it realistic to like gun for a slot uh, reading the news or? Oh gosh, no! It's are like those just two totally different. It's like the stories that you hear of you know the actresses that would go and be like telephone operators at Warner Brothers back in the 30s and 40s, like hoping that they would then be the star you know of the of the film. No, I I was just really excited to be in that environment because with any sort of news outlet, it's constantly changing and the mm-hmm. pace is really fast and it's really exciting. Lots of really neat people get to come in that you get to meet every day. Um, 
and I never really had any ambition to actually be on at first. Like I, I got there and I was like, it's just cool to be here. You got such a great voice, though. I, and I, but I didn't know that it was. I, I it was <laughs> you nothing. <studied> voice, <laughs> but like, but my speaking voice. I didn't study speaking. I didn't. Yeah, because like I didn't study elocution. Right. Um. I mean, I, I never had any problems getting up in front of people and giving speeches or giving presentations. That was never a Same problem I had. Yeah. yeah. But I, it was one of those things that like you don't notice it until someone points it out to you. You're like, you, you realize you have this freckle on your face and you don't know it until someone says, hey, mm-hmm. did you know you got a freckle right here on your, on your cheek? And I was like, no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I had someone point that out to me when I was at KPCC. We had to do, um, we did a series of holiday greetings my second year. Mm-hmm. And the three people that were in my department at the time, they had the three of us get on and do this little like improv holiday greeting. And we cut it and the producer came over to me and she said, have you thought about doing something on the radio? She's like, you sound really good on that microphone. And I was like, no. I, I, I just didn't know. I had no idea. Yeah. And so I started thinking about it more and more, and I finally had an opportunity to start voicing underwriting at KPCC because I could pronounce the difficult names in the L.A. Phil spots. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, I knew how to say, you know, like Joseph Mislivacek and things uh-huh. like that. Uh-huh. Um, so... They had me doing a lot of those in the L.A. opera spots and Long Beach Opera and all those. And um, so we had a they had a position open up for a host at KPCC. And uh, when Steve Julian passed away, Mm -hmm. they were looking for a morning edition host. And I had been doing the membership drives now. So I've been doing some actual live radio. And Mm -hmm. I said, well, I mean, the worst they can say is no. Mm -hmm. So I applied for it and I actually did have an interview. But I didn't have the news background they were looking for because I'd never been a reporter. Not I, I, I had done online reporting. Um, I'd worked for a video game website when I was in college writing video game reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd never done anything on the radio for news. So, um, But it was a great experience to still be able to go there and be considered yeah. for that. Um, but it was something I always kind of kept tucking in the back of my brain. I was like, well, maybe if another opportunity opens up and something that I know more about, maybe I need to jump on it right. and see if I can do something with it is it unusual to start in live radio you said that you had done some live radio i'm like that seems to me that you know you'd want a, a seasoned professional to do that well for for public media it's a little different because they especially when they're you know asking people for money you know yeah. we do our quarterly membership drive they like to get people that are that you don't normally hear on the radio voices like i mean you hear great people like mary Plummer and sandon taunton on kpcc all the time but you don't always hear jennifer miller mm-hmm. so it because and it's a different voice and it grabs your attention so it's like okay let's put someone different on there who might be like oh hey who's this person yeah 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 she's kind of cool maybe i want to give money to the station because i like what she has to say so it, it, it's a different perspective so too. were you always i mean did you become more um aggressive with wanting to be on the radio after that i or did you did yeah Totally, because like like I, it's the same thing. It's like when you get up on stage for the first yeah. time and you sing your first concert Wait or your minute. first solo, you get bit by the bug. You're <laughs> yeah. like, this is really cool, and I'm having a lot of fun with this. And it's like I feel like I might be able to do something with this. You didn't have nerves about it. Um, the very first time I had to go on live for the membership drive, I did, but I was on. It was a weekend shift, so it was a little stress. And mm-hmm. I was on with Tammy Trujillo, who's our mm-hmm. our weekend host, mm-hmm. and she was very cool. And she helped me like coach me through the process during. It was during Prairie Home Companion too, so the breaks were a little bit longer. And yeah, um, and she just kept the conversation going, and we always like kept it really on you know on point. Like, hey, KPCC is great, and this is why you know because of Prairie Home Companion and things like that. Um. So, yeah, like once we did one or two breaks, then I was like, yeah, OK, this is cool. Did you ever have nerves singing? 
Yeah, any performance anxiety problems uh, with that? More with piano than I did with singing. Yeah, me too. Yeah, like I would get up and play piano in front of people, Ugh. and I I couldn't memorize music for the piano to save my life. And I'm a very visual person, so I thought you know I'd be able to do that. I could just like take a snapshot of the sheet music sure. in my head, and I would get up there and be like, I forgot everything. Oh my god. <laughs> It would just be terrible. It's odd, the worst feeling. Yeah. But like when we did when we did Faust, that morning, I, I went and did my church job as normal because we did the Sunday matinee, right. I think. And um, I went in there and people were asking me if I was nervous. And I wasn't. Hmm. It was like a really strange calm. like And because I knew the show cold by that point. Right. Because we had done such great rehearsing and I had done a lot of studying. and Sure. So I feel like if you go in prepared... Then you'll be fine. Yeah. I have to be overprepared. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Me too. Uh, uh, yeah, I have some nerve problems. That's. I think that's probably why I ended up in the chorus. Because I just, uh. I just didn't like the, I just didn't like the stress of, uh, of that at all. Mm -hmm. Hey. Sorry, I'm just grabbing my computer. That's <laughs> all right. What you got? Nice. <laughs> That's all right. Broke up. Broke Thanks up for being on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Pour me a glass. <laughs> so we're my uh, my office here in the Dorothy Chandler is actually a, a conference room where they s store all the wine, and we're having our big uh, the uh, Placido and Marta Domingo are throwing a party for us upstairs. Just some little people, you may. And they do it every fun. year, which is amazing. Yeah. And somebody just came in and grabbed some wine. I'm not going to edit this out. No, I think I think this is this is one of the things you need to leave in. Yeah, because exactly. It's, just, it's the nature of. What so, we did do. you end up getting more work at KPCC on on air? Um, I I continued to do the pledge drives on yeah. a pretty regular basis, and I was doing a lot of the underwriting for a while, and then um, they so they went union. Uh -huh. Um, so uh, KPCC is SAG AFTRA now. Oh. And um, they started using me less and less because I'm not. I see. SAG. Um, my I particular, am. Just putting, yeah. putting it out there. <laughs> um, but my particular department, I didn't have to be. Uh, I see. So, um, so they started using me less and less, and they were using the SAG people more and more. And I think they wanted more of like the regular imaging voices that we have mm -hmm. on the station. A lot of the same voices that you hear now doing the Center Theater Group stuff and mm -hmm. um, Cedar Sinai and things like that. Sure. So my underwriting time became less and less um still did the membership drives when i could mm -hmm. but we had some reductions in personnel so i didn't always have the time to do it mm -hmm. so i was starting to feel pretty antsy because right. i had been doing it on a really regular basis really loved it and i was starting to realize that again as much as i love working at kpcc what i do right now full-time at kpcc i feel like that's not what i'm supposed to be doing for the rest of my life right. in radio um i do want to stay in radio i love it um but I'm not really sure if what I'm doing um, right now is what I'm supposed to be doing. But now you have your own slot on KUSC. Right. I want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. My life. <laughs> it's so crazy. Um, so I, I had been thinking about that, like this whole idea of wanting a change. Mm -hmm. And I had been uh, – I went to – the Aquarium of the Pacific on New Year's Eve with my boyfriend and my best friend. And I just remember thinking at midnight – I want 2017 to be the year of change for me. I want something big to just 
and because I was feeling very unsettled, very unhappy in my career. Kind of stuck. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I do still sing. Um, I have a couple of church jobs. I do a lot of gigs around town. Um, I get a recording gig every once in a while, but I don't do a lot of stage work really mm-hmm. anymore just because of time. Mm-hmm. I was doing a lot of it for a while. Like I was doing Long Beach Opera and Santa Barbara and my two church jobs and, and working full time. And I was starting to kind of lose my mind. So mm-hmm. I backed away from it. Um, but I was like, okay, I, I need to really be aggressive with, you know, looking for something new. And I was driving into KPCC one day. We just had the inauguration. Everybody, of course, at KPCC was depressed. Um, and I'm just thinking, I listen to KPCC every day. I love it. But it's really, really weighing me down. And so I flipped over to number one on my presets, Mm -hmm. which is 91.5 classical KUSC. And I started listening to that music again, which I hadn't listened to in probably two years, really. I had, Hmm. I really hadn't been listening to KUSC on a regular basis in about two years. Hmm. And, uh, I just started listening to like the things that like Alan Chapman has to say, Mm -hmm. what Brian has to say about the music and really remembering my love for this kind of music and how interesting the people are mm-hmm. that make it and write it and do it every mm-hmm. single day. Sure. And so I said, well, let me go onto KUSC's website and see if they've got an opening in their traffic department because I knew that that was something I could do over there. They didn't, but they had an opening for a host. And I said, well, why not? Send your application and see what happens. I had some tape from a membership drive I did so they could hear me live, get a sense of my personality. And I talked to John Raby, who uh, used to be the host of Off Ramp at mm-hmm. KBCC. He's a friend of mine. And I said, hey, I just want to let you know I did this thing. Um, what do you think? And he's like, well, I actually know Gal Eichenthal very well. Let me give her a call and see if she can help you out in any right. way. So I had a really great conversation with Gail a couple of days later. And she listened to my tape. She really liked it. She put in a good word for me. I had a couple of interviews over there with um, John Vandrill, who's now my producer. He's one of the hosts there, too. Um, and he said, you know, you're really green, but we really love you. We want to give you something to get you started because the only way you're going to be able to do this is by doing it. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I started off with my overnight Sunday shift. And yeah. <laughs> It was, well, tell, I mean, what what is your overnight Sunday shift? What, is, so, what does that mean? What do you do? So I am the host of California Classical All Night on Sundays and now Thursdays, too. Um, and so I host from Saturday at midnight through Sunday, 6 a.m. And mm-hmm. it's broadcast on both KUSC here in L.A. and then KDFC up in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So you can hear me on both stations. And um, it's really just like a big overnight potpourri of anything and everything. Like we've got music do from... Do you get to choose? No, but I, I can put in some input. Like I've I've been emailing our programmer. Like when I first started, no, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, my yeah. gosh, they're actually giving me stuff to talk about. Right. Um, but lately I've been like, hey, can we maybe put more vocal music on the program? Or can we put like more soundtrack music or video game music? You know, trying to find ways to blend all these different mm-hmm. loves that I have. And I was writing up my show for next Sunday before I came in tonight. And um, like we've got music from Atonement that's coming up next Sunday. But then we also have, you know, like Haydn's Schoolmaster Symphony, things Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So so it's really fun. It's a real great mashup of all kinds of things. Do you write your own copy? I do. You do? Mm -hmm. And then do you submit it for approval? Or do they just say, well, just go do it? They trust me. Wow. (laughs) That's awesome. Because they're like, okay, well... 
you've got a master's degree in this. You must know something about you know this yeah. music. But I have a producer that sits with me when we do this just to make sure that I'm not saying anybody's name wrong. I still have to practice saying Daniel Barenboim mm-hmm. um, because I was saying Barenboim for okay. a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, we just have to, or, or the Bournemouth Symphony, because I was saying Bournemouth Symphony. For do you go to KUSC to record it? Where do you do the recording? Yeah, so- Oh, first so, of all, you record it. Yeah, so You're the show You're not there is, right now, obviously, because right. it's Sunday night. Yeah, so the show is recorded. Um, and uh, so, but I try to give the illusion that I'm actually there. So if there's any sort of, you know, mess ups or stumbles or, you know, I, I tell my producer to just keep the tape rolling. And yeah. I mean, if it's egregious, then we'll go back and redo it. Yeah, but yeah. Um, like if I say Daniel Barenbaum, then we'll go back and sure. fix it. Um, but yeah, I go in on Tuesdays. And what we do is that we record just the little 30 to 45 second talk sets in between the pieces. Mm-hmm. Takes about an hour to cut a six hour show, believe it or not. Wow. Um, yeah, and it's who does uh, the editing? Your, uh, your producer. We or? have a, an engineer locally, and then there's one up in San Francisco. So it's really just whoever gets to it first. So there's a there's a track list, mm-hmm. and then in that master list, you have the dialogue like cut in where where you want it. Right. So they they send me. I should have brought one with yeah, me. Yeah, I wanted um, to know like actually how physically you do it. Right. So they send me a program log with all the the titles, the pieces, the performers. Just an email or. Yeah, it's, uh-huh. it comes in a PDF uh-huh, okay. uh, to me, and then um, and then I sit down and I type up a script with all that in it. And that where I, to insert it? Mm-hmm. And so I have it on my laptop when I sit there and record the show, and my little my little MacBook, that's and I it? sit there. Yeah, and and I you know I I'll, I'll circle anything that's different on the log. Like if say there isn't a talk set before I go into a piece, like if we're coming straight out of an imaging spot or um, an announcement about a concert or something, mm-hmm. I have to you know put notes in about that. But yeah, I mean it's. It's just pretty much like getting the flow. It's like getting the choreography, like the vocal choreography of what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, And then somebody's actually sitting there Saturday night into Sunday morning mm -hmm. while it's running. Right. I mean, you're sleeping. I am. I am asleep. So like example, last night I was driving back from Disneyland, which is why I sound a little husky today. Um, And it it got to be midnight and I had my boyfriend and my friends who were in from out of town you were in the car. planned it this way, didn't you? Oh, oh totally, yeah. <laughs> That's why I made them hang around and watch the fireworks so we could uh, listen to it. Oh, wait, oh. what am I doing on the oh, radio? Oh, hey, it's 12.15. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was like, well, do you guys want to, because they were asking me, they're like, well, can we hear you while we're here? And I'm like, yeah. You know, if we're still in the car at midnight, I'll, I'll turn it sure. on. And uh, and we did. And so they got to hear the the first the first bit before we went into the Haydn uh, Passion Symphony. Uh, so they were like, wow. Wow, you sound legit. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you have to worry about your voice in this business as much as we do in in our in this other business? If not more, really? Yeah, because I, when I was just working at KPCC and doing the underwriting stuff, I started noticing that I was developing a lot of bad habits with my speaking voice, and kind of like how I sound right now. Um, but I had gotten very low and sort Mm -hmm. of, you know, vocal fry sort of Mm -hmm. thing. And I actually started seeing a vocal therapist because it was affecting my singing voice. Wow. And so I have to kind of think of it now, since I do more talking than singing at the moment, Mm -hmm. um, although now it's coming up on Advent, that's probably going to change. Right. Um, But I have to really think about how I'm using my voice as a singer and how it's going to affect my speaking voice for the radio. So Mm -hmm. it's a really interesting switch for me. It's like a paradigm shift a little bit. Do you think uh, in the future... You'll be making a living as a singer or as a radio personality. Mm, that's the big question. I, I don't know. What would you prefer? Uh, I kind of would like to do a mix of both. Uh-huh. I really like having one foot in each world because I know that 
they appreciate at KUSC the fact that I know a lot of the people around here in the business. And mm -hmm. I know a lot of the organizations. I've worked with many of the organizations around here. So I'm familiar with them. Mm -hmm. And like, I know that they had they had Josh Shaw in to talk about Lucia, and uh, I know they had Brooke come in and talk about Monkey's Paw. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I saw that on there, and my producer was asking me, like, well, hey, what do you know about these productions? They're, like, kind of, like, get a little inside scoop mm -hmm. before they're, like, what should I ask Josh about, you know, before he comes in? Um, his suits. Yes, his fabulous, <laughs> like, the bloody suit that he wore for Lucia. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I kind of would like to – I definitely would love to do more at KUSC, and I, I'm hoping that – I can continue that journey there with mm -hmm. them. Um, I'm actually going to be hosting on Christmas Eve, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. That's so, exciting. Yeah, so I'll be midday. People actually get to hear me, and they're not up That's late That's still night. not live, though, right? You'll pre-record that? I'll be on tape for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, a, a lot of, you know, like uh, Alan Chapman's live, yeah? Yeah, Alan's live. Uh, Brian is live. Yeah. Um, Rich is live, but yeah. he does it from his house. <laughs> Rich Caparella does that? Rich, Rich Caparella. So Rich Rich has a fantastic setup. I love it. He has a tie line at his house, and he does uh, – KUSC goes to the beach. He does that from his house in Santa Monica. What? <laughs> <laughs> so when he's filling in for one of the other guys, like when he's filling in for Brian, I'm sure. usually there about the same time Brian is on. So I usually get to say hi and we chat a little bit. But um, – if Rich is on, they have his face on a monitor and there's a camera so he can see us walking in and I wave to him. So I actually, I've not met Rich in person yet. We just kind of see each other through this camera. When... Oh my God, that <laughs> is funny. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's yeah. It sounds like you and I are in a, kind of a parallel situation here because this, this show, I think, will turn into something at some point as well. But I, I still like singing. So, yeah, and I love that you're doing it. Like when you started doing this podcast, I was like, this is a really neat idea <laughs> because there were so many cool people in our circle yeah. that, you know, people just in this town. Yeah. And like, because I saw you had Julia on, sure. and I, I know that you're really close with Eric Whitaker, and that was really awesome to have sure. him on. And like, just all these cool people we get to work with every day that yeah. maybe outside of LA people don't know them, but like, you should know these people. They're really neat. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just like I was telling you before we started the tape, I forget that people don't just sit and have dinner with Placido. Yeah. You know, yeah. or they don't have the opportunity to, to stand backstage like I did today and tell jokes. Yeah. With Placido mm -hmm. and with these other singers. And it really dawned on me that, yeah, this, this, I think people would want to hear this. Yeah. It, it is extraordinary. And remember, what you do is extraordinary. Well, I remember when I was at Westminster, we got to work with, you know, Colin Davis and sure. Charles Dutois, and we did shows with David Hyde Pierce. And then, you know, the stories that I was telling you about Julie Andrews and like, mm -hmm. these are cool things that we got to do. And yeah. these really neat people. And these are stories I like to tell. Yeah, so, me yeah. too. <laughs> well, you've been a delightful guest. Thank you. It's really nice catching up it's with you. It's been awesome being on. Thanks yeah. for being on. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. The velvet-voiced Jennifer Miller. Thanks for being on my show, Jen. It was nice catching up with you and great spending a little bit of time. Thank you all for listening. Remember to always be kind to one another. You're really good and at until stuff. Next. You probably like to dance. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius. Get onto my show.